If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Coming at you with episode 605, I think. I think I think so. Yeah, I think 604 was the 10-year anniversary, so we're back back to the regular format with uh, RJ Spina. It's a good one. Uh, I mean, RJ's got a hell of a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was good. Speaking of a hell of a story, we got Graham. I finally got my car back Dunlop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was the last one to drive it. Yeah, you probably were, yeah, before you really blew it up, yeah. No, I don't want to blame you or anything like that. But. Yeah. Shitty car. Um, I mean, what are you going to do? Now it's good to go, though. You could flip it and make some money, maybe. Well, I'll try, yeah. Got to do something, yeah. The used car market, never been better. Yeah. Never been better. So what have you been up to? Well, I gotta tell. I mean, I gotta mention this about RJ's show because it's okay. it's it's a little bit. It's a little bit. This is diff. This is a different type of sort of healing episode. I, I you know, and he does have a different, a different and message. Get right to it if you don't want to listen to our bullshit. It's, right now. Yeah, it's very interesting. And there's a timestamp in the show notes, so our lazy ramblings here at the beginning, the little introduction that we do, can be skipped. But it is definitely worth a listen. It was fascinating, and we're gonna have him back on when his next book comes out about manifestation. Cause I think he deals like with the subconscious very, very well. Interesting. And it's kind of like, you know, divine inspiration and divinely inspired divine intelligence. He's explored those realms. I mean, I just love that. I kind of trust that more than the science that's happening today. Well, that's not saying much. <laughs> that's just I mean, me. It's like a little suspect. It really seems to be a little suspect. Yeah, yeah. In almost, in almost all fucking directions. <laughs> yeah. I got to say. But what are you going to do? I mean, when you live in a shoe, move to a boot and get laced, I suppose. So you're back in hockey. I mean, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm playing tonight. I'm going to go play tonight, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it took me a while. This is the longest break I've had in hockey. Guess how long it's been. It's been uh, no, six years. No, 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 no. It's been four years. Gee, Jesus, dude. Like, I don't know, two and a half, maybe three. That's it. Wow. But I somehow lost all my gear. You're like so my fast. during the whole COVID thing and all that. I, I misplaced my gear somewhere. It's very strange. But it's so my longest time. break in how many years? Oh, forever. Since you're like ten, I bet. Forty seven years. Um, why well, you started playing when you're three? Five. Five. So, I mean, you got uh, out of shape fast. I mean, show before and after that and tell Scott Adams there's no such thing as a slippery slope. <laughs> Just quit playing hockey. 
bam. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're walking a cat on a leash. And I used to <laughs> complain about the kids in the neighborhood. And I used to think, and I used to think that hockey didn't do enough for me, but it's it did a lot more for me than I expected. It's been tough getting back into it, dude. Oh man, I'm aching all over the place. But you know, it took me a few games, and now I'm back. I'm back into it. Especially ball hockey. I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's just full sprinting and running. Like it's not. Yeah, it's not easy. But but it's been good. I got my timing back. Like last game, I really got my timing back. So. Well, that's good. I was pretty rusty. Never been that rusty before. Have you out of the house? Even from a selfish perspective, I mean, it's just good to have you in better shape. Keep yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Well, that's exciting. The cold plunge is finally done. I'm setting it up. Probably fill it up with water tomorrow. I'm thinking tomorrow will be the water day. This is your freezer converted into a, a cold plunge bath for the outside. Freezer freezer converted into. A rudimentary bathtub, I'd say. It's hard to call it a bathtub. You know, if I did one more coat, if I went in there, you know, if I wanted to, like, just, if I wanted to throw another 300 or 400 bucks at it, uh, I I could have it just like a bathtub in there. What's the difference between a a lack of a last coat? Well, when you start, you're working with, I mean, even with all the wood in the 45s, you're just trying to convert not square round things to round and plus i like i mean this is the biggest fiberglass and project i've ever undertaken yeah. i yeah. mean i've done a lot of body work with fiberglass stuff like that when i was younger but i've never built a bathtub so, so you put that uh, new glaze out, so what you're saying a layer of glaze would make a big difference like the that bathtub yeah, like, glaze. Well, you know what i would do if i went in that i would go and i'd like add a little more uh fiberglass cloth to the corners to really round them out and just resin it out. I'm not doing everything now, so it's not drying out. I could really be liberal with it. Yeah. (laughs) But it's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with it. It's like a little bathtub that should get cold. That's nice. That's good. And then I got all the other gear. Like there's a little wand that you put in there that goes into the, that controls a plug that'll kick in at whatever temperature I set it to. But actually I'm hoping I can just kind of, cause the freezer has got a pretty big dial on it. So I'm betting I can just find a f- sweet spot on the freezer so that it won't, uh, get super cold and freeze. You don't want it to freeze solid. I don't even think I want it to freeze. I think we're going to keep it around like one degree Celsius. One oh, that's even, that's dude. That's super Maybe cold. I think three. even five is good. I think well, the one in the well, five. We're the ones you were doing there were about three. Okay, it, the one it, in the Repsol there, that that one that's the tub that they replaced one of their hot tubs with a cold plunge is five, I think. Yeah, so it's gonna be above zero. Like we don't, you know. So, um, that being said, it might the top still could freeze a little because the air up there might get kind of cold in relation to where the the probe in the water. Yeah, but anyway. So how do you not, how do you keep it from freezing in the winter then? Well, I've moved it in the, I don't think you can. I really don't think. Oh, it's not outside anymore? It's going to be inside? I've moved it inside. Oh, yeah. you moved it inside. Because the other thing I'm worried about is because I was going to keep it on the back deck right there. Yeah. But I'm worried that uh, it's going to blow the freezer. And I even consider just. Because I'm like, well, I'll just get a new condenser, and then it's got a brand new condenser, and then, you know, for another $500, basically, 
I've got a brand new fucking cold plunge. That's as nice as one as you can spend six. Like I was looking at buying one, dude, because I'm into this thing for fucking Jesus Christ. I mean, without buying the freezer, I'm in for a thousand bucks, I'd say. A ton of wood, without buying the freezer. Yeah, plus, yeah, without buying the freezer because I had it. But I mean, because I was like, well, you know, if I buy one, because I know I've had like probably 12 or 16 hours of time into it too. Yeah. Uh, but I looked on online to look at fucking buying one, dude, and it was retardedly expensive. The cheapest one I could find was $6,500. Wow. I thought they had a new f- funky one that's pretty. And that was like an inflatable sort of one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pay six grand for an inflatable thing and have that in your house. You know what I mean? When, this one's like a bathtub. I mean, once it's done, if it works really well, which I expect it to work just fine, then the only thing you should ever have go wrong in those things, I mean, they're pretty bulletproof. The only thing you should ever have to change is that condenser. So so how do you keep it? So it, it keeps cold just like a normal fridge or freezer would keep cold? Yeah, it's got a dial on it, so it's got a bunch of tubes through it. So it's just like a fridge or freezer. It's just instead of having meat in it. It's just like a freezer. It's but full of water instead. It, it's half full of water. Wow. Then you have a probe in there. So that if it ever, because it ever froze solid, it would split itself apart. So oh, that's great. So, so that's why it's not that outside too. So. That you plug okay. into. And then if it ever goes down to say you set the probe at two degrees, when it hits two degrees, it cuts power. Uh. So the freezer will shut off until the probe warms up warmer than two degrees again. Then it'll let the freezer have power again. So then it's just always at that perfect temperature, then basically. So it should basically always just sit there at two or three degrees Celsius. Wow, that's good. So then I just decided to bring it into the house. I mean, it's going to be, because I think the heat will just be too much for it. I was just starting to read some stuff and it's like, you know, up to 90 or even 100 is probably okay for a freezer. But dude, you've been on my back deck in the summer when it's blazing and there's no wind. It's fucking way more than 100 degrees back there. Yeah, yeah. It's like a fucking oven, man. You could cook fucking eggs on my back deck. You can't even step on that little threshold thing or you'll burn your feet. And that's only Calgary. I mean, that's not even, you know, it really only gets that hot for a week or two. Well, no, for a fight, it gets pretty. I mean, on my back deck, it gets crazy because it's just sort of a heat trap there. It gets like eight hours of sun in the afternoon. That's what kills you. Is the sun is just up for so fucking long. It just keeps getting hotter until five o'clock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. Did you notice what, I'm what's happening with the temperature? Because like the, the, the coldest, do you, what, 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 what time do you think the coldest part of the day is? The coldest part of the day? And night, is, including nighttime. It's crack of dawn. Yeah. Of course. It's like six, six o'clock in the morning. This is a surprise to you? Well, it doesn't get hot until 6 p.m. at night, 7 p.m. at night. Well, that's here. I mean, if you that's were like. That's what I'm saying. Like, this, it's a weird cycle, right? It's I know, just but because the sun's up for fucking eight. No, but hours. even in Vancouver, it's different. It gets hot during the day and cold at night. Like, it's a diff, totally different cycle. You know, it's hot. Does it get at, cold it, in Vancouver? I figured it'd stay hot at night because of the humidity. No, 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 not really. I mean, it just, it, it gets hot. I guess what I'm saying is the hottest I feel like is mid-afternoon or noon or mid-afternoon, and then it starts cooling down. But here it doesn't even start cooling down until six or eight at I'm night. Not, dude. Like, if it's a real hot day and you're like waiting for that cool down, if sometimes it feels like 10 o'clock, you're like, what the fuck? Where's like the breeze? But anyway, so I was worried about that. And it's like, then it's just there for the winter too, and you know, and then you're not mm-hmm. 
put it someplace. So I'm actually going to, because I took that computer and stuff out of the front office, I'm going to put it right in there with the mat in front of it, and I'm just going to get uh, a thing of that same wood. I might even have one in the ground. I got to look, but it's in the same wood that's on the floor, and I'll fucking uh, glue it to the front of the freezer so it looks like it's all fancy, like a fancy wooden box. Mm-hmm. It's just an old freezer underneath. Cool. cool. And a little easier to use. Less, you know, it's just, I figure you're going to make it, because I'm going to use it too. That's the point. Well, you have to make it easy to use. Otherwise, so you it just has it. to be right there in the house. It's easy to use. Go downstairs. You know, there's not the stack the, like, of towels there or something. Yeah, there's no excuse of, you know, it's just always there. It's always cold. There's no excuse not to do it at some point during the day. Yeah. Even if it's just for 30 seconds, you know, just get in there and do something. I guess go for the three minutes, but. So yeah, that's all set. I mean, it should be ready for its first plunge, like Wednesday. Nice. Yeah. Exciting. I'm excited. Better work. I'm excited too, because disclosure's here. I thought you we didn't have, care about their disclosure. Well, I mean, it's still fun to talk about. I mean, it's here. Is it? Is this the one? This, it wasn't the Tic Tac? Well, I mean, it's all connected. This is all connected. Some people are saying in our chats, like, okay, Bluebeam's here too. And I mean, this is kind of what I'm getting at. This is uh, very interesting. Did you see that article at all today? I did. Is this, uh, well, kind of. I didn't read it, but I've seen it. So it's it from the debrief. Awful. The debrief.org. Is this an and, apple? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, sure. Yes, I'm saying sure. it is. What, what, what's that noise? But it's military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dishfire, Prism, Sidra Eagle, Sigma, Mannerkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project. Okay, li- listen to this. I mean, if this okay, is not okay. Okay. if this is not disclosure, then oh, this is the headline. Intelligence officials say the U.S. has retrieved craft of non-human origin. That's from Leslie Kane, one of our past Jeez. guests, and Ralph Blumenthal from today, June fifth, twenty twenty-three. Now that headline's not hyperbolic or anything. I mean, this is like how, so. If you were to say, what's a headline that would that would? But it's a whistleblower. Yes, but he's also done this with Congress. Like it's it's not just he's not. What are you, what are you doing that for? I'm saying it's a dad. like a UFO jingle. No, he's he's already given all this to the to Congress as well, right? I guess or whatever committee they've got going on that UAP task force or whatever. Okay, 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 okay. Maybe, wait. It's, maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's I got I got to be careful what I say. People miss this one. Found UFO quote of the week. That's not how I remember. Found UFO quote of the week. It's like been updated or something. It's not the same. Found UFO quote of the week. It's not. It's not the one I was expecting. Found UFO quote of the week. It's supposed to say Darren and Grammar going deep. How many, how many quotes do we do? UFO. I guess it was 
I forget sometimes that it was a uh, a part of the weekly show for like five years. Yeah, at least five years. I mean, I had a, I had a list of UFO quotes, like five. Maybe there was hundreds. I think there was hundreds. But yeah, yeah, I'd like to know seven hundred. Maybe four, I want to four, find four, out which which week. Uh, what show we quit doing the profound UFO quote of the week? I think I found it. That's the one. It's the profound quote of the week. No, no, that's not it. That's just the profound quote of the week. I'm looking for the. Oh, right. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Things to ponder and critique or whatever. Remember, right? That I'm not making that up. That was the one that you just played. That was that one. No, no. The one I just played was just the. Here it is. Oh, I do like that one too. That's good memory. Down and grand going deep. It's the profound UFO quote of a week. That's my favorite one. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. <laughs> Good memories. That's awesome. I went through a huge, huge document full of quotes through hundreds five or six quotes. years, maybe every week. I was so sick of it by the end because they weren't profound anymore. They were just like, <laughs> I kind of cherry picked them. So most of the profound <laughs> ones were in the first couple of years. Anyways, I mean, with a headline like that, how can you say, you know, disclosure hasn't happened really, right? I mean, it's just intelligence officials. Because the era of news is over. So I don't know what to, you know, and maybe yeah. it never existed. But I don't feel like there's any journalists that I trust anymore. Well, okay. How about this guy? Micah Hanks. He is the founder of The Debrief. One of the founders. And he's the editor-in-chief of this. So he contributed to this article, Darren. So, I mean, I remember pre-woke Micah Hanks. I, no, no, I trust Micah for this kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, I've, well, I trust him for everything except, you know, I just don't, you know. Would you trust him with your kids? What the fuck kind of question is that? <laughs> well, I mean, no, maybe get I, it just, I don't know what, I just don't follow his regular show and all that. I'm just kidding. I love Micah, you know, but I just yeah. heard he's gone woke. Well, I heard he has a bit too, but I mean, I don't have a lot of evidence to, to talk about, but that's okay. So a former intelligence official turned whistleblower has given Congress and the intelligence community inspector general extensive classified information about deeply covert programs that he says possesses retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin. So the information he says has been illegally withheld from Congress and he's filed a complaint alleging that he suffered illegal retaliation for his confidential disclosures reported here for the first time. So other intelligence officials, now this was so like when this was going around this morning, you couldn't even get on the debrief. It took like 15 minutes for the article to load. So I think they got pretty much bombed with a bunch of traffic. Other intelligence officials, both active and retired, with knowledge of these programs through their work in various agencies, have independently proved similar corroborating information both on and off the record. The whistleblower, David Charles Grush, I don't know how you pronounce that, probably Grush, Grush, 
36, a decorated former combat officer in Afghanistan, veteran of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and the National Reconnaissance Office. He served as the Reconnaissance Office's representative to the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force from 2019 to 2021. From late 2021 to July 2022, he was the NGA's co-lead for UAP analysis and its representative to the task force. And he got involved in the UAPs not because he had an experience or he was interested, just because he was <clears throat> the best guy for the job. So the task force was established to investigate what were once called UFOs, of course, and now they're officially called UAPs. It was led by the Department of the Navy under the Office of the Secretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security. It has since been reorganized and expanded into the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office to include investigations of objects operating underwater. I mean, that's interesting in itself, eh? USOs? Yeah. <clears throat> they had to reorganize the whole thing so they could, so that would fall under that category. So Gruss says the recoveries of partial fragments through and up to intact vehicles have been made for decades through the present day by the government, its allies, the defense con and defense contractors. It has determined, the analysis has determined that the objects retrieved are of exoteric, no, sorry, exotic origin, non-human intelligence, whether extraterrestrial or unknown, based on the vehicle morphologies and material science testing and the possession of unique atomic arrangements and radiological signatures. So he says, we're not talking about prosaic origins or identities. Referencing information he provided Congress and the current ICIG, the material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. <clears throat> Goes on to say, um, they talk about uh, having the sort of review this information, right? And how the in the past it's been tough because it's filled with garbage information and a lot of disinformation. And so he says, this is Chris Mellon now talking. He says, however, it is a, a difficult matter getting this potentially explosive information into the right hands for validation. This is made harder by the fact that rightly or wrongly, a number of potential sources do not trust the leadership of the all-domain anomaly resolution office established by Congress. So there's sounds like there's a, you know, kind of a schism in the, obviously in the government organization, there's a bunch of people that don't trust these, these, these new sort of organizations that are supposed to be analyzing this stuff. But some insiders are now willing to take the risk of coming forward for the first time with knowledge of these recovery programs. Jonathan Gray is a generational officer. Do you know what a generational officer is? Means that his dad and his grandpa were also officers. Is that what it means? I don't know. Well, he is uh, of the United States community. intelligence community with a top secret clearance who currently works for the National Air and Space Intelligence Center, where the analysis of UAP has been his focus. Previously had experience servicing or serving private aerospace and Department of Defense special directive task forces. And he says, the non-human intelligence phenomena is real. We are not alone. Retrievals of this kind are not limited to the United States. This is a global phenomenon. And yet a global solution continues to elude us. So Grush, they're back to Grush again, has served as an intelligence officer for over 14 years. Numerous decorations, participation in covert and clandestine operations to advance American security. Um, he prepared many briefs on UAPs for Congress while in government and helped draft the language on the UAP 
for the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act. So that, when did that come out? Like last month? Um, I can I can must probably have just click. come out. Right? Yeah, I can click on it. Uh, this document is trying to connect to allow. Let me just check here. Chat DPT don't know shit. It's a piece of shit. Um, it was spearheaded by Gillibrand and Rubio and signed by into law by President Biden in December 2022. So this resolution is uh, from, where's the date on here? Doesn't really say the date. Yeah, this is the December 2nd, 7th one. So it states that any person with relevant UAP information can inform Congress without retaliation, regardless of any previous non-disclosure agreements. So, I mean, whether that's, you know, whether this is true or not, it sounds, it sounds like they're trying to open it up for people to, to talk about the truth, you know, UFOs or Jufos, whatever they are. In his statements cleared for publication by the Pentagon in April, he asserted, this is Grush again, that the UFO legacy programs have long been concealed with multiple agencies nesting UAP activities in conventional secret access programs without appropriate reporting to various oversight authorities. He, he said he reported to Congress on the existence of decades-long publicly unknown Cold War for recovered and exploited physical material, a competition with near-peer adversaries over the years to identify UAP crashes and landings and retrieve the material for exploitation, reverse engineering to garner asymmetric national defense advantages. So, I mean, this is what, what's been speculated. This is kind of confirming what, uh, like, the Black Vault, uh, what's his name at the Black Vault, and a lot of the sort of the deeper ufologists have been saying, you know, that's kind of like a private-public sort of deep state partnership on sort of like a Cold War retrieving these technologies and trying to reverse engineer them. Huh. His assertion concerning the existence of a terrestrial arms race occurring sub Rosa over the past 80 years focused on reverse engineering technologies of unknown origin is fundamentally correct. As is the indisputable realization that at least some of these technologies of unknown origin derive from non-human intelligence. And that was Carl Nell retired army colonel who had worked on with Grush on the UAP task force. So I'm, I think I'm almost done. There's a little bit more. I'm just going to read a couple more relevant points here. An unclassified version of the complaint provided to us states that Grush has direct knowledge of the UAP related classified information. It's been withheld and or concealed from Congress by elements of the intelligence community to purposely and intentionally thwart legitimate congressional oversight of the UAP program. So, I mean, it just, it seems like it's the, they're talking about the infighting of the, of disclosure, really. People want to keep it for themselves and people want it to come out. They can see how this is sort of illegally being kept secret. When you have multiple agencies nesting UAP activities in conventional SAP, CAP programs, both as recipients of exploitation related insights for operational reasons without appropriate reporting to various oversight authorities, you have a problem. So he's referencing the special access programs and the controlled access programs. We should have Mike on the show. We should. That would be fun. Hey, you should text us. 
So he does say, Jonathan Gray does say secrets have been necessary. Though a tough nut to crack, a potential technological advancement may be gleaned from non-human intelligence and UAP retrievals by any sufficiently advanced nation and then used to wage asymmetrical warfare. So therefore, some secrecy must remain. However, it is no longer necessary to continue to deny that these advanced technologies derived from non-human intelligence exist at all, or to deny that these technologies have landed, crashed, or fallen into the hands of human beings. So, there we go. It's here. You remember where you were on this day, if I ask you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Same place that I was at. <laughs> podcast well there you have it i mean let us know what you think have we been disclosed or not i would argue not i mean when it's on cnn then i'll say they're trying to disclose oh my god yeah but uh, i'm not saying that that's when i'll believe it i still don't believe it i won't believe it then either but that's when they'll be like after you know the tic tac was on cnn wasn't it well, they, I mean, yeah, Leslie Kane was the one that came out in 2017 with, I don't know if Blumenthal was there or not, but I mean, that was the original story, right? Now, this is interesting because he's not just we coming to that on the show. Yeah. He's not sure. He's not just coming back to, he's not just coming to them, Mike and these guys saying, okay, publish my, my whistleblowing. Like he's already been through the government UAP thing, right? And now he's coming out. So that this matches what they have in the government official officials, um, you know, in the official process. That's why it's quite fascinating. All right. So <laughs> June 5th, 2023, 65223-2023 is disclosure day. There you have it. Let us know. Support the show. support. If you enjoy our lazy ramblings or our interviews with some of the fabulous minds from around the world, this one is no exception. Head over to America.ca slash support today and let us know what it's worth to you. Is it worth a, a buck a show or two bucks a show or eight bucks a show? You decide. Go America.ca slash support. You can make a one-time donation and sign up for a monthly. Whatever you want to do, there's PayPal, there's Stripe, there's... You know, any way you want to support the show, we'll find a way to make it happen. But do sign up if you are getting some value from our little podcast. It's not a free show. It is value for value. So we put it out there hoping that it does get value to you. You'll send the value back our way. It's the only way we can eat. At share. least to cover all the costs. At least, you know. America.ca slash support, guys. If you can, when you can, we will be eternally grateful. Uh, for trips and books and the other podcast and everything else we're up to, you can find all the links for that at America.ca. Uh, you got a quote for us this week or uh, did I, I played the oppo quote, right? Yeah. yeah, I can play, I can play the quote. I can, I can play a quote. I can read a quote for you. Read this is quote? called, this is called labor. Labor. Guess who said, labor? guess who said this? Yeah. Wait, he wait, that wait. in his studies wholly applies himself to labor and exercise and neglects meditation loses his time. And he that only applies himself to meditation and neglects labor and exercise only wanders and loses himself. The first can never know anything exactly. His lights will always be intermixed with doubts and obscurities. And the last will only pursue shadows. His knowledge will never be certain. It will never be solid. Labor, but slight, not meditation. Meditate, but slight, not labor. 
Mm, uh, let's go with uh, uh, Eckhart Tolle. No. Close. Confucius. That's, <laughs> that's a lot for Confucius. And isn't it supposed to start with Confucius says? <laughs> All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed our lazy rambling. Oh, you got a bio for RJ? RJ. RJ Spina. So he became permanently uh, paralyzed from the chest down, requiring emergency life-saving surgery. He was deathly ill with a rare staph infection that compressed his spinal cord. He was diagnosed with, I'll try to say all this, it's tough pronunciations, type 1 diabetes, hypothyroidism, autoimmune disease, autonomic dyslexia, and suffered from life-threatening complications due to his catastrophic spinal industry. His body was destroyed and beyond repair. He spent three, nearly three months in a hospital rehab facility being inundated with antibiotics, drugs, painkillers, and rudimentary physical therapy. He was given zero chance of ever walking again and was told he would need medications for the rest of his life. Today, he's no longer paralyzed. In fact, within the first 100 days after emergency surgery, he walked un unassisted, just as he predicted in the ICU. His diagnosed illnesses and diseases have been resolved. Even the mystery lethal injection that months of power antibiotic antibiotics could not cure. How did he do this? And I'll leave that for the show. I am your holy brother, RJ. Jay Spina, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Welcome to Grimerica. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> and nice to meet you too, Darren. Thank you. You as well. So, you know, super interesting and interesting book. We've we've done a lot of healing, healing episodes, right? And, you know, there's all kinds of different spiritual healing and energy healing and all that. And uh, you know, of course it always comes up because we deal with chronic issues here quite a, quite often as well. So it was really, really interesting reading, reading your book and, and, uh, you know, trying to imagine like, you know, would this, who, who would this, who would this work for, you know, who would this, this step work for? So, I mean, I think it's really important, I guess, to start with your, to start with your own story and, and, uh, that's a pretty important part of it, right. About how you, you managed to heal yourself. Yeah, yeah, uh, pro yeah. That's probably a good place to start. I would say that, um, and anyone who's heard me give interviews, I'll, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to spice it up a little bit. But uh, when I was a little kid, uh, I used to leave my body automatic, what we call astral projection. So I would do that quite naturally and without, uh, without an effort. And it was something that I would do all the time. 
and uh, for me, it was normal. And until I told my mom that I do this all day long, uh, I didn't realize that it wasn't universal. Uh, but one of the things that I used to do when I would astral project or leave my body, and I would travel to what I now understand to be different frequencies, different realities, different dimensions, different parallel conditions, is that even as a kid, I had a strange, if that's not weird enough, I had a strange mantra that I used to say to myself that when I would travel, I would say I retain all information and knowledge contained within this realm. And I don't know where that came from, but I would do that over and over again. And it felt like every time I did this, and I would do this three, four, five, ten times a day, it almost felt like that when I returned, so to speak, into my body, I was I was wiser for it, for the for the for the actual excursion that I had outside of my body. And I used to tell uh, my parents and my friends just off off the cuff, if I ever get sick, I'll just heal myself. Wow. Which is yeah, which is a bizarre, obviously. Uh if that if those first two things weren't bizarre enough. Uh but there was a there was just a knowingness, Graham. I I think if someone would have asked me, even as a young adult, okay, if you do get sick, how tell me how how does healing actually work? I I wouldn't have been able to give an answer. But I knew that I knew. I absolutely knew that I knew I could feel it in my bones that I, I know how healing actually works. And we could fast forward. Uh, actually, before we completely fast forward, let me actually share something that I don't think I've ever shared. So, uh, and I kind of just thought about it because I was, I was talking to uh, uh, the, the PR lady that I just hired and she was asking me some questions. But anyway, uh, I would say it was about 14 years ago uh, I got very, very sick. I was in Tucson, Arizona, sort of, and, and we were traveling, going through the desert, and I got very, very sick, violently, violently sick. And the the pain in, in my gut was un, was just absolutely unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. So I, I had thought that I'd gotten really bad food poisoning, just terrible food poisoning. Um, and we went to the ER, they put me in an MRI, and uh, they said that their their scanner wasn't working properly. And they gave me some Percocet and <laughs> told me told me to go home. Right, there was nothing else they could do for me. So this this persisted. I felt lousy. The pain was absolutely incredible. But this this went on for a week, an absolute week. And I remember I woke up uh, that seventh day, and I and I said to my girlfriend at the time, I said, you know, if I don't if I don't go to the hospital and get this fixed, I'm going to die today. There's just no doubt about it. Whatever is wrong with me has now reached a critical point. So we went to the emergency room. Uh, now that we were back, we were no longer in Tucson. We're back in San Diego, California. We had come back and their MRI machine was working. So when they, when they gave me the MRI, uh, they immediately said, uh, Mr. Spina, we're going to rush you to the, uh, to the hospital, into the uh, surgery. And I was like, okay, uh, what, what for? And they said, well, you have a, a burst appendix. And based upon what you've told us that this happened a week ago, and it's it's fatal within 24 hours. We don't even know how you're walking around and coherent. So they had this emergency surgery. They said when they opened me up that the uh, when the appendix bursts, it's it's poison. What happened? You die from a burst appendix because your other organs fail, and that's because of the poison that's released. And they start to coat and cover the other organs, and it eats through the membrane that coats each organ, and then it eventually just shuts down. There's a thin membrane around our organs. And then it just eats right through that and it shuts down the organs. And the surgeon, Dr. Shakay, 
the surgeon told me that when he opened me up, everyone gasped because the poison was from my groin to the top of my lungs because it had been <laughs> fermenting for probably a, about a week at that point. And so they used the suction device to start removing the, uh, the poison off the organs. And he said, as soon as they started doing that, he, he said the organs were pink and pristine. It's, it, it's as if they were never touched. It's as if it had never happened. It, had, it never penetrated anything. And uh, he, he wrote, apparently he wrote about it in some medical journal that this was impossible. And they put this gigantic, the size of a, a, a TV remote, um, inside my stomach because they were giving me about 15 different antibiotics and this was going to collect, this thing was sort of going to collect all the, the pus and everything that was in there. And after about 10 days, they have to remove it. And so I had came back and he, you know, he, he said, I apologize. It's very painful. I can't put you under because of all the stuff that you've been through. I'm just going to have to literally just, just yank it out. It's going to be extraordinarily painful. So I'm apologizing ahead of time. And he said, I'm going to give it a, a count. And on three, I'll just pull it out. So I said, okay. And he goes, one, two. And on two, I yanked it out myself and handed it to him. And he, he said to my girlfriend, he goes, I don't, I don't think your boyfriend's human. I'm quite sure, <laughs> you're, quite sure your boyfriend's not human. So uh, I, I, think, I think I'm just, uh, I have a, a, an unusual ability to work with, to work with healing and to be able to overcome things. And now if we want, we can fast forward to April 23rd, 2016. I, was, um, I had severe sepsis. I was told I was going to uh, die within 48 hours. I had become permanently, quote unquote, permanently paralyzed from the chest down. I was diagnosed with a retracted heart, uh, pancreatitis, thyroiditis, um, severe Hashimoto autoimmune disease. I was suffering from autonomic dysreflexia, which paraplegics and quadriplegics die of complications. You, you can go into a coma. Um, so I had a they had performed emergency life-saving surgery, something called a laminectomy where they scraped the infection off my spine. And I was already paralyzed uh, from the chest down. And when I woke up from emergency surgery, that saying about if I ever get sick, I'll just heal myself. It, the entire know-how on how that actually works from a higher consciousness perspective was right back in my hands. And I literally, and this is all documented. I literally started explaining how self-healing and self-realization uh, actually works. And I was going to put myself back together. I'd walk in a hundred days unassisted and I'll have absolutely no issues. All these different diseases and chronic issues and all this kind of stuff will be absolutely resolved. And I, I filmed it while I was in the hospital rehab. I filmed my recovery because I knew that no one would believe this was possible for sure. Uh, and, and exactly on the hundredth day, uh, I walked unassisted and uh, all of those health issues, chronic health issues, diseases that are supposed to be type one diabetes, among other things that are supposed to be impossible to overcome um, have been transcended. And through, through that remembering of how authentic self-healing and self-realization actually works, I wrote uh, the book, Supercharged Self-Healing, and began working with people and helping them uh, to overcome their health challenges. It doesn't really matter what the challenge is. It's just energy. So, uh, and that's really what I've been doing since then. I've created courses and all sorts of things like that. And uh, that's <laughs> that's how the know-how came back to me. It was really through the destruction or near total destruction of my body and near death 
and that's what it took. It took that challenge for me to wake myself up to be able to access the information that I knew as a kid was inside me, but now it was finally time to bring it back online. And then, and that's when it all came back. Wow. <clears throat> I think I missed the part in the, in the book about the, about the mantra or about the connection. I was going to ask you about the connection between like, you know, knowing how to leave your body as a kid and knowing that there's other dimensions out there and that sort of extended awareness that you would have over anybody else and how that sort of was applied to, to the, to the healing. So you kind of answered that already, but how, how old were you when that first happened as a kid? Like, are you talking six, seven or earlier? I mean, some of my earliest, uh, earliest memories. Um, in fact, it's probably one of my earliest memories. I, I can remember, uh, I shared a, a room with, uh, with my sister, my older sister, uh, and I was probably about, I must've been three or four. And I remember lying down on the bed and I, I was tired, but not sleep tired. And I just lie down on the bed and I just reached this sort of state of relaxation, but almost had a, a sense of light concentration at the same time, which I know sounds odd, but it's kind of like you're starting to fall asleep, but you're still razor clear of everything that's going on. And in that, in that moment, I was, I was outside, I was outside of my body. My consciousness or what I now call sentience or divine intelligence, which is what we really are. That's the, that's the indirect fractal of God was outside, uh, literally just looking at my body. And that was the first time. And I realized that I could do it, uh, through relaxation and sort of a special form of concentration. And that's, that's when it started. And, uh, it's, it's never, it's never stopped. Do you think it, do you think, how do you think that knowledge got to you as a kid like that, especially the knowing and the mantra, like the, the, to know, to know, to create an intention, to bring knowledge back with you from those realms. Like, was that like a past life knowledge, do you think? Or how, how did that, that's pretty uh, unusual for a kid to be able to like have that detailed intention. Cause, cause I do believe that with the intention, you can, you can do all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, intention uh, harnesses the power of creation itself. Intention, desire and intention actually harnesses it. It's what puts creation into motion. Um, I, I think that it's, you could say it's past life. Uh, I would say that the understanding, the wisdom, the know-how, the, the talent, the ability, however you want to describe it, I, I would simply say that's just part of what I am. It's part of, of uh, what we call the soul, but what I call sentience, and sentience is a divine intelligence. It's our our level of love and wisdom who subsets our talents and abilities. That's what we really are. And that's what's given energy to create. And those two things lumped together have been called a soul, but I've found that they're, they're two very distinct and totally separate things. So I think the, the know-how or the, uh, the remembering as I sort of came into this incarnation, very detached, uh, from the human experience, detached from the, from the body. And I think it's just a remembering. It's part of my own, uh, Wisdom, I guess. I think it's just part of me that, uh, and it's a, it's an aspect of gnosis or self knowledge, and that immortal self is what we always are, and we carry that from lifetime to lifetime. And I also, just to add to that, I think that uh, once you're able to work in a certain way with yourself uh, in any incarnation, uh, I, I think you can draw upon it almost like a muscle memory, and the know how because I used to say it as a kid. I think the know-how was always there. It just wasn't time. So I just think it's part of, uh, part of what I am. It just, it's, it's literally part of my sentience or, 
or level of love and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. So how, when you started to get sick, when you did, when you went through the, this massive sort of healing exercise, when, what, what was it like when you started to feel sick? Uh, I, I thought I was like exhausted uh, because at the time I was, uh, I was uh, working for a company that I would spend two weeks in uh, New York City. I was living in New York City uh, and I would have to travel uh, every, every two weeks. California, New York, California, New York, every two weeks. And I, I thought I was just getting more and more exhausted from the amount of work that I was doing. And I was doing a lot of work, um, but also traveling a lot. And, and, I, and I, I thought I was, I was just getting run down. But then I reached a point where uh, I couldn't focus. I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate. It, it was the sepsis. I couldn't concentrate. And I remember at one point I, I said to my partner at the time, I said, I can't meditate. And uh, for me to say that means there's some, there's something you know really awry. So I remember when I said it, she goes, "We we got to go. We have to go to the uh, to the ER. We have to go to the ER." And so I didn't want to go to the ER because I have no no interest in Western medicine. So uh, I agreed to go to um, urgent care, and urgent care implored me to go to the ER. They, they said, you seem, they seem, they said to me, you seem extraordinarily sick. Like you're on the verge of losing consciousness. Wow. So you you need to go to the ER. I went home, still didn't go to the ER. I'm quite stubborn. Went went home, still didn't go to the ER. I finally agreed to go to, to the ER. And while there at the ER, uh, I became paralyzed from the chest down. I was totally conscious from the actual experience of the abscess that was on my spine, literally just crushing my spine. And I felt organs and everything just shut off. The connection to them would literally just shut off. It's almost like a, an elevator going down floors. And I could actually feel everything starting to, to shut down. And uh, that's when they started. They, they uh, drugged me as, as, much, as much as they could to get me into, uh, to do as many tests as they could. And that's when they discovered that, um, uh, I need an emergency surgery on my sign on my spine. Uh, but the, the surgeon said, we might as well wait because the damage done to his spine is irreparable. It doesn't matter if we operate right now or we operate yeah. in three in three days, the, the yeah. damage is done. So in the, was it the sepsis then that called that caused all that other stuff that you mentioned? I, I believe so. I, I think my, uh, my bloodstream was so sick uh, that it just, it, it wound up manifesting and expressing itself and all these other various uh, type 1 diabetes, severe Hashimoto autoimmune disease, pancreatitis, thyroiditis, uh, a retracted heart, um, and uh, autonomic dysreflexia. Uh, autonomic dysreflexia affect paraplegics and quadriplegics whose injury is above T6 and the majority of my spine getting crushed. And there's an MRI of this. Uh, people can see this and you can see the surgeon's notes to pre-surgery, post-surgery. It's just complete paraplegia. Um, the autonomic dysreflexia affects uh, people with injuries in that area and autonomic dysreflexia, your autonomic system doesn't work. So you're breathing your pulse, your heart rate, your body temperature has no regulatory uh, 
no one overseeing it. So you're, you would just stop breathing. And this happened many things. You just stop breathing. Your pulse would just drop or your heart would absolutely skyrocket. Your body temperature would drop five degrees in, in like five minutes. Uh, it was the most, one of the most bizarre experience besides paralysis, one of the most bizarre experiences ever is to have your body, the deepest systems of your body completely stop working. And, and then to sort of remember almost like an ancient yogic practice to be able to go in and start controlling heart rate, pulse, body temperature. Uh, and I, I was forced to do that because things weren't looking good so yeah all that was all that was happening simultaneously and concurrently so you had a spiritual spiritual life before that like meditating and what was your spiritual practice like before that that incident yeah yeah absolutely Med, uh, meditating uh the the leaving of the body my consciousness has it's just something i have always done i'm quite sure it's not just this lifetime and uh so my my practice wasn't say a um a religious, uh, an organized religious practice. I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school uh, until sixth grade. Um, my spiritual practice had to do with the the exploration of my own consciousness, and to me that and that's what it, that's the metaphysics, the real the real thing, the tangible truth. Where if we looked at that, we'd finally be able to bridge all the religions, sort of saying the exact same together. Yeah. If we can look at these things from a purely metaphysical perspective we would start to understand that they're all saying essentially the same thing. But my practice, my practice was the exploration of my own consciousness. Yeah. So you could, you could leave your body at will at that point, like between being a kid and between this incident, was that something you regularly did? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just re anyone can do it. I teach people how to do it. It's, it's very simple. It has to do with just relaxation and detach, detaching from, from the body, from the body, the identification with the body itself. And once you, once you allow, all the sensations to start to die down, you'll cease to start identifying with the body. And then there's just a, a certain thing that I teach people to do. It's almost like going up an elevator. As you start to go up, you're, you're, you're changing the electromagnetic frequency of your brain like you change your radio dial. And as you start to do that, you start to pick up things that are outside of physical sensory perception. And then once you do that, the detachment from the body starts to become more complete and you're able to literally just let what you really are just uh, same as the way that we incarnate and same the way that, that we uh, demise our body. You just, you just start to, to leave. And it's uh, everyone would stop fearing death if they learned how to do exactly. this. Exactly. It's so important for humanity that this is sort of one of the big tricks I think that's been played on us, you know, that death is the end and all this and that we can't, we, you know, bodies are just material, material suits. I mean, I really feel like this is the, one of the most important things. Yeah, oh well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, world what passes for world culture really has to do with the production and consumption of physical goods, and anything outside of that is deemed just insane. But that's a way to keep human consciousness uh, trapped within the lower frequencies of the physical universe, and therefore easily manipulated, subjugated, and controlled. Yeah, Darren, do you got any questions before we get into the, the depth of this? Well, I think I got the gist of it. Yeah, let's let's get into it. So what was it like then, you know, it's, it seemed like the, the difference between your story and, and the, all the other kind of healing stuff I've, we've talked about is, is you sort of had this uh, intense intention and confidence that you were going to do it. Like you wouldn't let any kind of negative thoughts or obstruction happen. So, I mean, obviously you have to be quite a master at mindfulness or, or controlling your thoughts and intentions to, to do that. But also like, 
how, how, I mean, how did, did you just know all along? Well, I mean, you, you, you told us that you, you've, 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 you learned how to, to self heal, um, that, 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 that came to you, but I find it quite fascinating how, how, uh, intense, I guess your belief was. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I would even say, Graham, it's not a belief. It's a, it's a knowingness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and I came into this incarnation, this lifetime with that knowingness intact. Uh, and it was just going to come out when it was the right time. And that was, that was clearly the right time. Cause if, uh, if I didn't remember how to do this, I think it, it would have been over for sure. Um, healing, how I describe the simplest way that I can describe it. And of course the book lays out the healing technique that I remembered or was given or created or, you know, downloaded, which is really all the same thing anyway. Um, you send the frequencies healing technique, but healing from a very detached and higher consciousness perspective is essentially the, the deconstruction of the false self. People call that the ego, their egoic mind or the, the, the slave mind, whatever, you know, whatever term you want to use, but it's, it's the human character because of the collapsing of consciousness and therefore the constriction of our energy is the reason why we get sick. And when that, or and disease and all these kind of things, any kind of disharmony, Right, whatever conceptualized reality that you create for yourself, the body has the tangible experience of that. And so, when we reduce ourselves to body consciousness, which is just five senses in the intellect, we're completely cut off from what we really are—our higher mind and where we come from. So, through the deconstruction of the false self, which is you could you could relate that to authentic self-realization or what enlightenment actually is, although that's not required to heal yourself. Might be required to. remember the technique and then be able to share it, but it's not required in terms of putting yourself back together, but it's the human character that has the issues. What we really are, the sentience, the divine fractal of God is untouched by everything that goes on here. I mean, we are literally immortal. Nothing here touches us at all. The body mind is a part of and attuned to the local environment. The body mind is greatly affected by what goes on here, but it's the egoic mind and its story of ill health is the reason why we carry sickness from moment to moment, carry them to the next moment. Now, as you start to deconstruct that false self, its story of ill health goes away. So as the false self is deconstructed, so, so is ill health. And, and for me, that's part of the, one of the most important teachings uh, of that book is that to understand that as you deconstruct the false self, you start to return to what you really are and what you really are doesn't get sick. It doesn't die. It, it, it's it's divinity incarnate. It's a much higher frequency. It's not touched by what goes on here. Your body mind is touched. So once you're able to deconstruct the false self and the book lays out how to do that, its story of ill health goes with it as the ego mind identity starts to leave. Will that work for like a, say a blown out knee or something like that? Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. I've helped people with everything that you could possibly imagine. If we can, if we start to understand that everything is energy, and it is, and even scientists today who don't understand anything will tell you that so-called matter is 99.99999% empty space. And it is, right? And that's not even the half of it. Trust me. So it's just energy. Now, energy can be manipulated and commanded. Uh, at will, which is what we do all day long, especially as I talk with my hands. I am manipulating and commanding energy as I talk with my hands. We manipulate and command energy in order to think. 
to emote, to have the, uh, the body have experiences. Anything can be put together exactly as you deem fit when you're operating at a high enough level of consciousness. So we can't approach things at the same level of consciousness that cause the problem. But if you sort of, quote unquote, rise up above that, you'll have a completely different perspective of it. And you'll realize that energy can be moved, maneuvered, manipulated in any way that the higher mind deems fit. What does the mechanism look like that that deconstructs the ego? Like when you say you deconstruct that so you find your sort of true uh, uh, sentience or, or divine intelligence, how does that how does your, how does that enable your body to heal itself? Like, where's the mechanism between the, the two there? The, the presence. So what we really are, people have heard the term, the, I am the fractal of God, the sentience consciousness This goes by probably a thousand different words. Right? So that is what we really are. So what we have to, and that has no disharmony. Yeah. Okay. So as soon as that becomes a normalized state and you can think of that, as just being present. And yeah. that, be, and fully that, becomes, yeah. yeah, fully private. You call that meditation, right? But meditation, the self, what we really are is meditation. It, it's, it's what exists before thinking, before emoting, before the body, before the incarnation. So the self is meditation. So we don't have to do anything. Right, right. I like have, that. Yeah. Well, th- th- and that's the truth. That is the tangible truth. So once that state of just being present, which doesn't require an effort, so how difficult can it be to do something that doesn't require an effort? Once that's normalized, that hope the presence is normalized, the egoic mind is completely silenced. Now, at that, at that point, your story of disharmony is leaving. Yeah, yeah. And so then it's just a matter of following the steps in the Ascend the Frequencies Healing Technique about how to command higher frequency energy and channel it right into your so-called physical body. And higher frequency energy heals and harmonizes lower frequency disharmony. So then it goes where it needs to go, or you, you can actually, you put it where, where it needs to go, and then it just starts to heal itself? Literally, yeah. And you can think of it as the power of desire and intention. Yeah, yeah. From a higher state of consciousness is what yeah. makes it powerful. Yeah. Does that work for, like, manifesting, too? Like, healing and all mm-hmm. that, all connected? It does, man. I'm just about to teach a course on, on manifestation. It does. The, the issue with, absolutely, Darren, that... The issue with manifesting, though, is that we are emanating a frequency from our from our subconscious mind. The subconscious mind uh, accounts for ninety five percent of reality creation. The thinking mind has very little effect upon uh, upon reality upon the reality that we create. And I don't think most human beings know that. So, because we have all these built in brainwashed into us limitations, scarcity, lack through a subject object paradigm. We are emanating a frequency of scarcity and limitation. Now, instead of this is then this is why it's difficult for people to manifest. They don't realize that. And there hasn't been uh, a robust and repeatable process to decondition the subconscious mind. I have a book that comes out in August that is literally how to do that, a step-by-step process to deprogram the subconscious mind. Now, that's the first thing that has to take place because you can think of the frequency or the emanation of the of the conditioned, brainwashed, traumatized subconscious mind as a very specific frequency or like a song playing on a radio. It's very specific. Now, if that's all about lack, limitation, scarcity, the universe will simply have to mirror that because that's the only thing it can do. Now, that must be deprogrammed first in order to be able to manifest powerfully and properly 
from the infinite and the abundant I am or the fractal of God. So that's why most, uh, really all of them, from my perspective, the manifestation techniques don't work because that's not addressed. That has to be addressed first because if that emanation is still going on and then we tack on mantras and affirmations, it's like we're playing two songs at the same time. And those are the emanations that that are that are reverberating out into the universe. The universe can't dance to two. I don't know anybody that can dance to two songs at the same time. And that's where we get such mixed poor results. And the subconscious program is always going to win out anyway, because it's a much more powerful frequency because it accounts for 95% of reality creation. So once that's cleared out, manifestation becomes quite easy. And that's part of the, the, the course that I'm literally going to start teaching in uh 11 days when it, yeah i was just gonna ask you when it, so is it an on, online course or yeah yeah how, how do people how do people get to that it just the, the website ascendthefrequencies.com uh you'll see the upcoming the things that are upcoming there's a, a total transformation course which is not what we're talking about then there's a manifestation course with specifics in regarding money wealth uh and then there's a retreat that i'm doing in person in october but people who are interested in the manifestation uh, there's still time to to sign up. I start teaching it on June 11th. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to that. I sure. think uh, I'm pretty sure Napoleon Hill had a had a chapter on trying to get things from the conscious to the subconscious. I can't remember. I think it was was it Napoleon Hill? Yeah, I mean, this is the whole key. I mean, if if we go back again to 95 percent of reality is created through your subconscious mind, this this is the the hidden treasure. The subconscious mind is the hidden treasure. And the, the book that comes out in August called Change Your Mind, it, it's, it's the treasure map. It's how to deprogram your subconscious mind. And while I was, just as an aside, while I was writing that book, because I'm my own guinea pig, obviously, put myself back together, do all these, all these kind of strange, strange things. Uh, as I was writing Deprogram, uh, Change Your Mind, excuse me, which is about deprogramming your subconscious mind. As I was looking at my subconscious mind, from a higher conscious perspective, looking at my subconscious mind, I could see the programs of limitation and lack that are programmed, in, that are brainwashed into us when we reincarnate into the low frequency of the physical unit. And I could actually see them. And I remember saying, I said to my partner, I said, I'm going to just remove these things because there's really no reason for me to keep these here. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now that watch what starts to happen. I'm not going to do anything to generate abundance in terms of, in terms of wealth. There's nothing I'm actually going to do. I'm literally, it's vibrational engineering. I'm literally going to remove that vibration of lack scarcity and watch what starts to happen because the universe can only match whatever frequency like attracts like the universe can only match it. And as soon as I did that, and I've talked about this once or twice, as soon as I did that within three weeks, I had a nonprofit. I have a nonprofit, Human Advancement Through Higher Consciousness. I was given $100,000, just given, given it. Didn't ask, it was given to me within three weeks of doing that. So it has to do, it's I call it vibrational engineering. I love it. Because it's catchy. But as soon as you, as soon it, as you it, move that, yeah, yeah, that's how it works. That's literally how it works. Huh. So... Wow. So I don't know if we should transition back to the, the healing because that's such a, the, we should probably have you back on when, after, uh, after your book comes out, your other book comes out. Yeah. Because it's a, uh, it's a super important and fascinating subject. It, it is. I, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, supercharged self-healing shows you how to, how to overcome any mental, emotional, physical, or all the above 
a health challenge that you have. It doesn't matter what it is. It, so, and, I, and I mean it, it doesn't matter. So yeah. so re-engineering your vibrations would help with all the negative thoughts and negative um, and all the blockages that come like, because if you're, if you're paralyzed from the chest down and you've got this confidence that you're going to heal yourself, like if I was in that position, I might have the sense like, yeah, I can heal this. But I mean, I would also have this like, ongoing struggle in my mind of these negative thoughts coming in and doubts and, and worries. And you seem to just be able to just like that, what they weren't even there or you weren't allowing them, them in at all. So I guess that seems to me partly like mindfulness practice and partly, I guess the, the re-engineering of the vibrations to, to sort of clear your subconscious. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for, for, for what I, what I say for thoughts to land, yeah, it that's means, a good way to put it. Yeah, it means the ego mind identity must already be present. Okay. So the false character, okay. yeah, yeah, right? I'm a this, I'm a that, blah, blah, you know, whatever it is. The false character is already operating, and that's the only way a thought can land. Now, if if we once we get uh, masterful at being present, you you never think. Yeah, and there's, there is no negative thoughts there because you're there, super present. Yeah, there, there's no thought. There's absolutely none. Now, what starts to happen in that state is a knowingness. All your inherent wisdom, this timeless wisdom that we have accrued through eons and eons of time, literally start to come back online and you taste it through your own intuition. And the knowingness returns. And people are freaked out when I say about not thinking. And I, and I as ridiculous as it sounds, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I really don't think I haven't, I don't sit and think I haven't done it. And I don't, can't remember how long. So what you end up happening is you end up expressing from what I call the mighty I am. You end up expressing your own perfection, your own divinity, all your talents and abilities. Just start, you, you create, you cease to be a consumer of beliefs, concepts, ideologies, and so-called knowledge. So let me try this. Let me try that. You cease to be a consumer and you realize that you are a creator. And that everything is already within you. Your self-realization is within you. Your self-healing is within you. The, the achievement of every goal that you desire is already within you. I mean, where, where else would it be? And by silencing the egoic mind, you're able to access these things. And it's really as simple as mastering being present. That's why I teach these things that I call instantaneous meditation magic tricks, because they're really magic, and I mean it. They're magic, and they they bring you to meditation, to clarity in one single second without any effort. And that's really the key. That's where we want to build from. It's from that state of being. Yeah. What's the difference between that and just, like, being radically authentic, sort of? Being your true self and being radically authentic are probably... Yeah, yeah, but... You're talking about the present? You're talking about being present, Darren? with the present... I guess it's like, cause you got to do some thinking sometimes, right? Well, from, I, I understand. So from a very detached perspective, Darren, what I would say is that when you're really in tune with who you really are, okay, the, 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 I am the true self, your soul, whatever word you want to use when you're really in tune to that. Okay. What we really want to do is express that. Okay. That's just natural. We're, we're creator beings. We feel most like ourselves when we're creating. Right. So. What's going to happen is when you're really in tune to that, 
the desire and intention of what you really are is going to start to come online. Now, once you're attuned to that, I'll give you the, the context. The order of creation, as I directly experience it, the order of creation is desire, intention, thought, emotion, action, and behavior. Okay, that is literally directly what I experienced. That's, that's how creation happens. Desire, intention, thought, emotion, action, and behavior. And in that order, and it also it's descending frequentially in frequency. So when we're present, this radical, which you were talking about before, when you're attuned to yourself, your desire and intention is to express yourself. And when that unification, desire, intention, and your true self has actually occurred, true unification, the only thing you can think about is your true desire and intention because it comes down like a slinky coming down the stairs in frequency. So when you have unified desire and intention with the radical self, the only thing you could think about is the expression of the desire and self. So then you're not fighting your thoughts, fighting your emotions or developing uh, unhealthy uh, actions and or unhealthy habits because they're all a derivative and born of your highest desire and intention of the radical nature of the true self, which is totally unique. So at that point, you don't struggle with doubt. You don't struggle with thinking. You don't, you don't question whether you're going to be able to do it. Everything is in complete alignment. So I actually think that's a brilliant question because I think they're, they're directly related to one another and you can't have one without the other. Literally. If you're, if you're in that state, you're kind of cleaning that whole beginning of the process. That's, or you're the, the, the beginning of the process is purified. You got, you got it in a way. Like it's not stuck with a bunch of, you're not stuck with a bunch of self doubts and a bunch of stuff like that in there. You're, you're just, you're coming to the desire. The, the important part of that beginning at the higher frequency from a true, a true point. Hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's the key to all transcendent of uh, creation. That's the key to living the, the greatest life to any, any measure of success, no matter how you quantify success is to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because people kind of like Darren. I think was not quite going there, but a lot of people just say, "Well, what about you know? You have to plan, you have to schedule stuff, you have to think, you have to to look through the." But I think what yeah. what you're saying is you can still do all that stuff, but you're just doing it from the moment and not sort of uh, letting intrusive thoughts come in, and you're you're more focused on the the task at hand, kind of thing. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I used to say this. I stopped saying it. I'll say it tonight. I used to say it because it used to freak people out. I used to literally say planning is for cowards. And people would look at me like I was nuts and get offended. The ego mind would get offended. There's a lot of truth in that statement. So when you trust your own mind, you don't need to plan anything. Okay. So it just flows. Now we all know, we all know what this is. Now, most of us do not have a frame of reference for going through long <laughs> years, decades of lifetimes without really thinking. We don't really have a frame of reference for that. So we assume that we can't operate without thinking. And, and you're right, you'll operate beautifully, powerfully, in a transcendent nature without thinking, because thinking is electromagnetic interference. It's not your true signal. That's where we get all the doubt from. So we know, all of us know what the flow state is. All of us, right? Anytime we lose ourselves and become completely engulfed and whatever we, and I don't even care what it is, but whatever we're doing, we lose ourselves. What we're losing is the ego mind. We lose the false self. So we know what this flow state is like. Are we thinking when we're doing this? Is there any thought whatsoever when we're in the flow? Nope. 
Now, so just imagine just maintaining that. That's all. Perpetual flow. And we all know we do our best work, right, when we're in the flow state. Every athlete, I'm dating myself. I remember Larry Bird used to, still my favorite basketball player. So I remember when Larry Bird would make you know, these unbelievable no-look passes and this and that. And he would he would say he goes when I'm flowing I don't I don't need to think I I can feel everything I know where yeah. everything is Wayne Gretzky you don't even have to, yeah, yeah yeah we this is what I mean so I'm talking about maintaining that state that's all and everyone knows they do their best work in the flow who says we have to turn that off I bet I could guess Graham's favorite basketball player Spud Webb Steve Nash <laughs> I just Steve. picked Orca. Steve Nash, your favorite player, Graham? Oh, I don't. I don't follow basketball. I don't oh, <laughs> Spud Webb. I mean, back in the eighties, we used to love Spud, Spud Webb in the dunk contest. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. you know, was this absolutely a, a real guy? Spud Webb was like my height, dude, and he was like he won the dunk contest. No, he was a couple inches taller still, but he was definitely taller. You unless he had like a five foot vertical. <laughs> yeah, he was five foot six, by the way, Spud Webb. Wow. Well, there How you tall go. Are so, you? Five five, so an inch taller. But I mean, yeah, he had vertical. I mean, he won the he won the competition. I think yeah. back in the late eighties. That was we used to love those. Oh yeah, when they first had the the dunk, uh, that's when Jordan kind of burst onto the scene. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah unbelievable. I, I remember Spud Webb. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's get into like a little bit about the process of healing, I guess, because that's you know some of the most important parts here. And also, I mean, I love this conversation so far. It's it's fascinating, but. Also, I guess the thing I want to get in there too that you can answer along the way is is like people with genetic um, issues, right? Or what we think of as genetic issues. I'm not saying they are necessarily, but I find that if people are in pain all the time, chronic issues, chronic pain, chronic ailments, I mean, the pain travels around the body in different places. Like it's hard for them to even focus on anything. Never mind about getting into a state where you can start to heal yourself. Yeah, yeah, and no, I've I've been there too. So I, I mean, I know levels of pain that I didn't think even existed. I got to be honest, uh, complete and utter agony. Um, the kind of pain that that doesn't stop that you literally you feel like you have to just start screaming. So I, I know what the, I know exactly what that's like. I lived that. Uh, I lived that for months. So I had to teach myself in that in that state. My body just in complete turmoil, I had to teach myself how to heal myself in that state. Right. So uh, one, of the, one of the things that I learned to do uh, in terms of uh, dealing with pain uh, was our natural reaction to pain is to tense up, right? Okay, and that creates resistance. It actually increases the pain. Yeah. Make, makes it worse. Okay, so what I learned to do is that when the, the, the pain would, would kick in, I would actually allow myself to relax mm. and almost like sinking further back, deeper into my body. And the moment that I relaxed and did that, there's this space that gets created between your awareness and, and the pain itself. There's, there's this space. And in that space is where we can actually start to work. And as soon as you start to create a little space by relaxing, the pain immediately starts to diminish. And as soon as you realize that you actually have control over the pain in that way, people are so enthused and the confidence level goes off the charts when they realize they're not a victim to the pain. They can actually do something about it. And that very simple technique of instead of tensing up, 
to actually relax and imagine that you're falling deeper and deeper within your body and that the body is almost in front of you. And as soon as you do that, you get that space, you're going to yep. realize that you actually have some control over the pain. And I, I promise you, anyone who actually starts to master the things that I talk about, not only can you diminish pain, you could make it stop completely. And I mean it. And I'm talking about the worst pain imaginable because I've been there. But you can actually, when you work with yourself properly, you can actually have complete command over it. So would you, would you, to help you relax, would you get into a long, low, uh, sorry, a low uh, exhale breath kind of thing, some breathing techniques or anything like that? I didn't I've, even, I've seen this work. I've seen, I've seen helping somebody get into that autonomic state, yeah. get rid of pain. I mean, but it, it takes 15, 20 minutes kind of, 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 of but I mean, you, you, you probably get to do it quicker yourself, but would breathing be a part of that? It can, it can be used. Breath can be used without a doubt. I, I didn't utilize any of that. For me, it was just directly with my state of being or state of consciousness or okay. frequency or vibration. And one way that we stop everything, where everything stops, where we have instantaneous meditation, all you have to do is pretend that you just arrived here. No past, no future. That's that one second thing you're talking about? Yeah. Go ahead and do it right now. Tell me if you can even think. Yeah, I, I, I did. Yeah, it's yeah, just getting right into the moment without 10 breaths or whatever. Just get in there. Not needed. Not needed because it's the truth and the truth doesn't require your participation. Lies do. So thinking is past, future, past, future, past, future. And that's what causes suffering. It creates the delusion of knowledge and the illusion of time which then locks consciousness into the low frequencies. What we're doing is we're activating the higher mind, which has absolutely no limitation. Once the higher mind is activated, you can unparalyze yourself, overcome anything. But when you're locked in the lower consciousness, you cannot. But it's one of the simplest things in the world, these, these magic tricks. All you have to do is pretend that you just arrived here, no past, no future. Can you Can you get into the more of the healing process that you went through and how that relates to the seven steps in your book? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one that I go to all the time for people in the beginning of the book, I talk about the things that you can do to deconstruct the false self, the egoic mind. Right. And that has to do with being able to be present. The thinking stops. And once the thinking stops, the character starts to lose sway. The allure of that character starts to lessen by simply being present. So the book outlines how to do that. Very simple ways, just like pretend you just arrived in a pastor. So eventually you have such control over the mind that you can effortlessly be present. Now that's the starting line. So now the story of, of ill health has stopped. You're not telling yourself the story of how sick you are. I'm so sick. I, that, 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 whatever it is, whatever it is, that's stopped now. And one of the most important things to understand is that whatever conceptualized reality that we create for ourselves, the body has the tangible experience of that. That is the mind-body connection in one sentence. So when the story stops, I'm so sick, whatever it is, whatever it is, when that stops, right, the body starts to have the tangible experience of that because you're not spelling yourself into this ill health. Now, from there, the Ascend the Frequencies Healing Technique shows you how to command powerful energy, the higher desire and intention from higher states of consciousness. 
And once you start to command that energy, that higher frequency energy, and you actually bring that into you through your crown chakra, and it's tangible when you do it, you feel it. People are like, this is unbelievable. It's tingling because you're literally sending electricity through you. Potent, powerful, high frequency energy. And it's simple. This whole thing is simple. It's not complicated because it has nothing to do with the mind. This is just the higher mind. The lower consciousness complicates everything because it doesn't understand it. The higher mind already knows everything. We just have to access it. So by bringing ourselves to that state, normalizing that state of being present, we stop telling ourselves a story. The sickness of disease is no longer ramping up anymore. We're actually putting it on pause. And once you put it on pause, now you have some kind of control and now you can start doing things for, to enhance the self-repair, self-healing mechanism that the body is already designed with. We never give the body a chance to run its self-repair and self-healing mechanism because we're constantly adding information to it because we don't trust our own healing. We get a cut, it scabs over. New cells are being produced over and over all the time. We never even give ourselves the opportunity to heal. We've been convinced through the medicalization of health, that your health lies outside of you. It's one of the biggest lies ever told. There's nothing outside of you. Everything is happening within your own consciousness. Everything is. The whole thing. You don't lack anything. You are a fractal of God. And last I talked to God, he, he's not missing anything or lacking anything. Neither are you. So when we start to work in this way, it doesn't matter what the problem is. The channeling intelligent energy is one of the most potent and powerful ways to put ourselves back together that, that anyone could ever do. And that's just one step of, of the seven in the Ascended Frequencies Healing Technique. And you started to create that space for yourself then to start, like, start moving, literally practicing to move your legs, to do all that. Like, how, how did that, that incorporate into the physical healing that you went through? So when paralysis, well, I mean, paralysis... You can't, you can't, I know this is obvious, but when, when you're paralyzed, you can't move or feel anything, right? And by the way, what it's, what it's like, do you ever get buried in the sand, like to your neck up? No. Okay. When I was a kid, we used, we used to do that. It's kind of like that. It, 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 for anyone who's ever done that, it's kind of, that's kind of what paralysis actually feels like. It, you can't move one inch and you, you feel like you're trapped in sand. And you just can't move. To move your to move your leg one single inch would be the same as like jumping over the Empire State Building. It's that it's that impossible. So to answer, to answer your question, Graham. So what happens is because you can't feel anything and, and you can't move. As you start bringing in the energy, just think about plugging something in and putting an electric charge through it. So what starts to happen is you actually start to feel the electricity moving through you. And as soon as you start feeling the electricity moving through you, that's the life force now going through the, the dead area of your body, the paralyzed areas. And for me, it was my whole body from the chest down. But you can actually start to feel the energy coursing through there. Now, once there's life force cor coursing through there, this is when you, you can begin the process of reanimating it. Because now it's plugged in. Like if your computer is not plugged in and it's got no charge, it doesn't matter how hard you hit those keys. Nothing's going to happen. But once the computer is charged and it's plugged in, you hit the keys, things happen. So it's the, it's the same understanding. Once the energy starts coming through and you actually feel it, you can use that energy to start to repair and animate yourself. And pretty soon, and there's a video right on my website that shows me unparalyzing myself, and it's time stamped. So you can see it. And you can see it starts with the just the foot moving a little bit, then the leg moving, 
right? Then being assisted to get up on my feet. It is a process of bringing the life force back in through the body. And each time you bring life force in, there is a little more life in there. And that life in there is the, is the self-repair and the self-healing. Wow, that's fascinating. And you did that in 100 days like you predicted? Yeah, yeah. I said in the ICU uh, that I would walk unassisted in 100 days. Uh, and I filmed it, as I said, because I knew no one would believe this was, this was possible. So I made sure that the nurses and some of the physical therapy staff and even one of the doctors one time was, was filming me when I, when I was doing this because they, they couldn't believe it either, even though I told them specifically and explained how I would do it. They still couldn't believe it. But the um, the only guest I had when I was in the hospital rehab for about uh, eight, uh, eight, nine, eight, nine weeks, give or take, if you count when I was first in the hospital to the rehab. So about two months. The only guest that I had was a, a, a Chinese medicine expert. And he's the one that actually wrote the forward for the book because he said, I have to be able to write about this because this is, this is unbelievable. This is impossible. What you did is impossible. And you said you would do it. You explained how you do it. I have to write the forward. So the Chinese medicine expert was the one who was seeing me when I was in the, the hospital rehab and he wrote the forward for the book and he witnessed and helped participate. He witnessed the whole thing and wrote about it. And it is, it is a repeatable, robust process that anyone can do. And that's what the ascend the frequencies healing technique is. People have overcome issues, Graham, They've had for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, lifelong, lifelong issues that they couldn't overcome. And they start working with these things and these things just leave them. It just leaves them. When you work with yourself properly, there's nothing that we can't do. So you got rid of a lot of, or not got rid of, but you made it clear. You set some boundaries about distractions and stuff too, right? Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I knew that putting myself back together at this level was going to uh, require all of my focus and all of my attention and all of my energy. I knew that I couldn't waste a single moment, a single thought on not, not having it focused on what it is that I need to do because the, the, the challenge was too, was too great. So my family and friends, when they heard, you know, the situation, of course, texting, emailing, calling, so I, I, I told my partner, I said, listen, you got to tell everybody in the nicest way um, not to call, not to text, not to email. I cannot waste my energy getting on the phone, explaining the diagnosis. How is that going to make me heal? So I knew that. I knew I needed to harness the energy properly. So I had her tell everybody, um, RJ is sick. He's, he, he promises he's going to be totally fine. He's, he swears by it. He's going to be totally fine. But he's requesting that no one... Text him, no one call him, no one email him. If you don't hear from him from a couple of months, it's okay. Uh, but RJ, you know, is requesting that you just leave him alone. He's literally going to unparalyze himself. And my friends and family that know me, me saying I'm going to unparalyze myself is really not that far-fetched <laughs> coming from me. So they, re they, uh, they respected, respected that. It, yeah. They respected it. And it, it allowed me to, to, to focus. And I didn't allow any distraction. And I didn't even allow certain people into my hospital room that were very negative. Some of the, uh, there was a nurse and a couple of orderlies that would come into my room because I was living there. They had the worst energy, the absolute worst energy. And I remember I would get on the phone and call the charge nurse and said, listen, you can't allow, you know, I'm not going to say their names. You can't allow, you know, blah, 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 blah into my room. They are, they are interfering with my healing. They're never allowed to set foot in my room again. I mean, I was as serious as a sheet of flame. 
I knew what I needed to do and I wouldn't be distracted and I wasn't going to let anybody throw me off. So creating the proper healing environment, no negativity, and it allows you to focus supremely. If we want incredible, uh, impossible results, we're, we're going to have to focus in that way. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I love it. Wow. So can you, is your book coming out on audio at all? Do you, do you have any plans for audio? Uh, talk about the first book, Supercharged? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's out. That's um, it's it, by, by the way, it's in its second printing. So that that's out. Came out November of 2021. Um, doing great, changing lives of people all over the world. Really. What, what about audio? It's on. It's on audio. I did oh. not. Oh, I did it? not narrate it. It's not. It's on Audible. Oh, I thought I looked and I couldn't find it. Yeah. No, it's on Audible. They wouldn't. Uh, oh no, I did listen to it on Audible. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I thought I listened to the PDF. I'm getting myself mixed up. Yeah. 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 No, it was a good book. It was good. Yeah, that uh, the next book that comes out, change your mind. I actually do the oh, do you? The, oh, the narrating. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of the contract now with all the all the new books that are going to come out. Yeah, yeah, good for you. So, so, um, what else do we want to talk about with the seven steps? I mean, because that's an important. I mean, you hit on the real important parts, but what about after after you're getting into that groove and all that? I, the the most important thing that the the ascended frequencies healing technique are seven things that I did over and over and over again. And anyone who does them experiences tremendous results because it's impossible not to. It's literally impossible not to. You're going to be working. It, it is a completely different understanding of things. Yeah. And when you have a different understanding and you do different things, you get different results. Can you it's talk the, about some of the examples of, the, of anybody that's... Uh... Uh, cancer, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, Lyme disease. Lyme too. Wow. And it doesn't matter. It's just energy. It doesn't matter. We label these things and give them great, great power. But ultimately it is literally just energy. That's all the whole thing is. And what we are, the sentience is what commands energy. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the quote unquote diagnosis. It's irrelevant. Even if it's genetic, even if it's the so-called like genetic, like it's in your genes, you know, genetics are nothing. Genetics are absolutely nothing. It all comes down to the sentience that's operating the vehicle, that's inside the vehicle, that's inside the body. Genetics are a translation way, way downstream from what are energetic templates. Energetic templates are the form and function. They relate to the chakra system. Energetic templates are the, are the blueprints for our form and function. You can think of them as a, like an architectural design. And there's many of them. And as our energy and our sentience comes down in frequency, it goes to one blueprint that's related to one chakra. It goes to another blueprint that's related to another chakra. It goes to another blueprint that's related to another chakra. By the time we get all the way down here at the, bot the bottom rung, we then have what we call genetics. They're nothing. They're absolutely nothing. Pay no attention to genetics. They don't mean anything. When you work with your higher mind through these different states of, uh, different states of meditation, as the book lays out, you are actually accessing these blueprints now human most human beings are not going to have their third eye fully open and be able to see all these things right okay that that's just the way it, it doesn't matter though because you will tangibly feel what you're doing like when you channel the energy you will tangibly feel the electricity coming through your body you can't deny that you're healing yourself so just to come back to genetics they're irrelevant and I mean it, they are completely and utterly irrelevant. They're a toy for the lower consciousness to, to sort of make it all about the, make it all about that. They're irrelevant. They're absolutely irrelevant. It all comes back to the energetic templates 
And again, think of a blueprint like an architect. And as energy comes down, and I said, it relates to each chakra. There's a blueprint, and then there's the next one down, and the, each, each one informs the other until you finally get to the lower frequencies, and then you have full form and function. But it all relates to that. And the higher mind can access those things. Whether you can see it or not, doesn't matter. I'm glad I can see it because then I can point it out and explain it. But it doesn't really matter. As long as you work with yourself properly, you are going to be changing yourself at the etch-a-sketch level where form and function is first put together. And the key is to be able to go to that state and your desire and intention rewires, reroutes, and recreates everything based upon what it is that you're trying to achieve. And that's really the only thing that matters. Wow. Darren, do you got any questions? No, I think that was well said. I think, well, I mean, I have a bunch of questions, but I think they're probably better saved for another show uh, where we can maybe focus on the new book when the new book comes out because they're all sort of more based on the manifestation side of things. I mean, I think that the two are probably pretty closely tied, but I don't want to take away from from that on this one if you have another book coming out later this year and we can just talk about it then. Yeah, but it is, sounds very Hillian, you know, it's it's very, uh, very along the lines of Napoleon Hill's thinking from what I can tell so far. Yeah, the the people that have learned uh, how manifestation works are, are going to be operating in the same ballpark. For, for me, from a higher consciousness perspective, uh, to be able to actually see these things, I, my whole goal was to develop a system that anyone can do. Exactly, yeah. So for me, and the change your mind is literally the, the, the blueprint on how to deprogram your subconscious mind. And as we've talked about before, this is, this is the uncharted territory, the subconscious mind, 95% of reality creation. There's no way, there's absolutely no way that we can create the life that we know that we're all truly capable of when 95% of it is coming from our subconscious mind that we don't even have access to. It's and it's programmed with a bunch of garbage. All of it, all of it, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing is brainwashing, trauma-based mind control. If anyone doesn't know that, they need to wake up. So everything that, that we are programmed into is about scarcity, lack, limitation, subject-object paradigm, disempowerment. That's the whole thing. That's the name of the game down here. That's why it's such a challenge to be here. That's yeah. the whole point. That's the whole point. But until we learn, and this is what the book is about, until we learn how to take what's buried back here, and bring it into your conscious mind, you will only recycle your experiences. But once we bring the program into the conscious mind and you see it consciously, you can delete it. Because once you see it, you look at it and be like, I am never abiding by that again. Yeah. What, a, what a bunch of nonsense. Gone. Yeah. And so the book is the process to, ab to absolutely do that. Yeah. Right on. Do you think we covered everything? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. If, if there's anything that you guys that we didn't cover that you want to ask, or, you know, as Darren said, maybe there's some of the stuff about the, well, the manifestation, the course itself starts June 11th. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I teach things as you can imagine. Now I teach things that no one else is teaching. And I mean that I teach things. Yeah. No, no one else is teaching what I understand about money, manif money manifestation specifically. What I understand about it is absolutely and utterly revolutionary. Absolutely revolutionary. And it's a repeatable, robust process that anybody can do. And when people start doing it, they can't believe how simple it is. Yeah. 
They can't Where believe can people it. get the info on that. How, and how long is it for? It's uh, nine weeks. Nine weeks, like an hour a week for nine weeks, or something yeah, like hour, that? hour and a half. Yeah, hour and a half. It'll it'll be almost like well, almost like this. Me yeah. rambling rambling on and on about these things, yeah. but there's it's filled with how to deprogram, but also it's filled with what to do. There's an actual process. It's not just about deleting the programs of lack, limitation, and scarcity. We absolutely do that because we have to do that. But then there's an actual, just like the Ascend the Frequency Healing Technique, it's like, here's the seven things you actually do these things. Yeah. yeah. So the money manifestation, there's act, it's, an, it's an entire ebook. It's, it's like 175 pages. <laughs> so you actually do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. So it's a step-by-step process. Not only is it deprogramming, but it's actually what to do as well. I love it. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to that, and we'll and let's have you back on when your next book comes out. I, I just flew by. I, I thought it was a, an amazing chat. I think it's super inspiring, and yeah, like like you said, it's different from it's different from all the other healing stuff that we've looked at. It it, it is. Yeah, it is. It's not the healing through belief, which is completely and utterly inaccurate. You don't heal through belief. It's a step in the right direction. It's not belief. It's it's knowingness, which sends a signal to self-repair and self-healing. It's knowingness, which is a very specific vibration and frequency. And that allows healing to take place. Beliefs have nothing to do with it. We use beliefs when we don't know. And beliefs, by definition, from a metaphysical perspective, definition, if we could actually see these things. And quite frankly, I can actually see them. A belief is anything whose landing spot lies outside of the self. I believe in a heaven out there. There is nothing out there. Everything is within your consciousness. <laughs> yeah. So you don't heal through belief. You heal through knowingness. And it's a very, very specific state of being and state of consciousness. And the Ascended Frequencies Healing Technique puts you in that exact frequency and vibration. And then the body must respond because whatever conceptualized reality we create for ourselves, the body must have the tangible experience of that. The yeah. body's designed to repair itself. This only puts it, uh, increases it by an order of magnitude when you do the teachings in the book. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, this has been great, RJ. Uh, I look forward to chatting again. And I might check out that course. We'll see. Yeah, I hope to see you there. Thank Time you very much, not guys. something I have a ton of, but yeah. you know, I can always squeeze some more out. Maybe I'll send Graham and he can report. I'll, I'll go. Do, do you want to talk? <laughs> mention your website and how they can find you just uh, verbally before I put it in the show notes? Sure, sure. The the website is Ascend the Frequencies. It's right behind. Wait, if I go this way, yeah. there it is behind me. So uh, it's ascendthefrequencies.com. Uh, the YouTube channel, uh, there's got to be about 100 hours at this point with all the interviews I've done and all the videos I've made, probably 100 hours of free material if people want to get more accustomed to um, these teachings and these understandings. The YouTube channel is just Ascend the Frequencies. Uh, and the Instagram is Ascend12. It's the number 12. But the website, I encourage everybody to sign up for the newsletter because I talk about things and offer things all the time that is really, truly unlike anything else. Sign up for the newsletter, and that way people are kept abreast of the, the next class, the next event, the next book, the next course. And that way, and that way, people know. And there's another course too. I might as well mention. I do it on a rotating basis. I call it Total Transformation. So I've I've worked with so many thousands of people over the last seven years that I I understand the main um, challenges 
that humanity faces uh, in terms of what's universal, whether it's self-sabotage, trauma, self-doubt, th things like this that every every single person struggles with. So I have a, a it's uh, rotating, but I'm always teaching one, and it's called the total transformation. And I go over the these most challenging issues that every human being has, and I completely and utterly deconstruct them from a very, very different perspective. And then I'm able to give the tools to people where they're able to transcend these things, whether it's self-sabotage, self-doubt, and they're able to work with themselves in a way that they were never able to work with. And so that's something that I do. And there's another one that's starting, it's called Total Transformation. It's on the website. That one is starting, boy, you, you would think I would know. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's coming up on the 18th, June 18th. I'm, we're we're kind of ending one now. It goes on for seven weeks. We're we're wrapping that we're wrapping one up, and then the very next week I do another one, and it's 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 a different topic. Every uh, the, there's six different topics. I teach one each week of the class, and this one coming up, uh, how to overcome chronic illness, uh, the true origin of secret societies. Ooh, um, uh, really? yeah, yeah. I have a <laughs> I have a very different understanding of really everything. So. Uh, it, and you go to the website, you'll see the topics. And these are questions and issues that, like I said, I've been answering for, for the last seven years. I've worked with thousands and thousands of people at this point. And so I, I know where the, the struggle is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, the, the courses are a lot of fun. I, I joke around in the courses and, and, uh, but people learn things and they improve their lives in ways that they really just didn't think was possible. Un, until they start uh, availing themselves of the teachings. Right on, buddy. Thanks. Good luck with that. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Thank, thank you, guys. Okay. Have a great night, Thank, you. thank you. You too. Thank you for having me. Okay. And that was a chat with RJ Spina. What'd you think, buddy? Oh, man, I just, uh, in a state of gratitude for an awesome night of podcasting. And Last two guests, shirt. just incredible. I'm in a state of gratitude for your collared shirt. I'm going to order that book for... Maria. I expect a collared shirt every week now. Yeah. I have to. Dude, this was the loose collared shirt. And now it's the Is tight it? one. I think oh, it shrunk. I don't think that's The shirt happen. shrunk. <laughs> I'm surely that's not the case. So, Thanks. no, I mean, I, I'm going to get the physical book. I, I, I listen to the audio book, but I, I need a physical copy here. And I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think you might be onto something pretty huge. Here's hoping. Yeah. And, uh, well, do the course. Let us know what you think. <laughs> the manifestation one, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there a chronic illness one too? Well, no, that's just the one one night thing. It's, uh, uh, yeah, the one. But I think I'll do the. I might. I might look at the manifestation one. Well, big thanks to RJ for coming on the show. Maybe you guys could manifest your way over to GreatAmerica.ca/support and manifest us some some support. in the form of a monthly donation or a, a monthly subscription or a one time donation. Or, uh, you know, head over to America Outlaw and check out that podcast if you like us. If you don't, maybe you'll check out that one. Maybe you'll like it better. Uh, maybe you won't. But either way, support the work at GreatAmerica.ca slash support. We've been doing this over 10 years now. Uh, technically, our 10-year anniversary is tomorrow. We're doing a live stream for it. But uh, by the time this comes out, we're already, you know, we're around. We're over the hill. So... Uh, yeah, big thanks to RJ for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. America.ca for everything we're up to. Other than that, we love you guys. Thanks for listening.
and we will see you next week. I'm walking gingerly through the rat race. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists. The people are many, they preen themselves. Oh, how they navel gaze. Somewhere over that hill, the gloomy skies cease to exist. I'm climbing that hill, I pass by and pity the poor Sisyphus. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. I'm strolling down a static electric avenue. The people are predictable, they say, good morning, how do you do? When out of nowhere, a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me. And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me. And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology. This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology. Together we're a seraphim dream, forever young with no chronology. Thousand years from now, we'll be written into ancient mythology. We go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. Can you tell me about the view up there? It's sparkling remarkably, the air is crystal clear. Well, please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place? A little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. As my angel says, dance with me and your life will never, ever, ever be told. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. 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 Turn into a beam of light.